sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Hey there, Fangirl Nation, and welcome to another episode of Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. Football is back, and we are here for it. On today's episode, we react and overreact to week one of the NFL while sharing our thoughts on the NBA playoffs. Who will take the East? Can the Clippers close out Game 7? Then it's off to Dylan to talk extended families on Friday Night Lights. So much football. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Now, let's get to it. All right, Steph, football finally, finally back. Week one is in the books, which just feels kind of crazy to be able to say that. Lots happened this week, many things for all of us to overreact to, but how nice was it to have football on? So much football, so much football. (laughs) It was great. It was exciting to get back into it, to overreact, to have the fantasy going and, you know, everybody talking smack. And of course, um, you know, it was just, you know, football, you know, there's, there's nothing like it. So it's always good to have it back. And it was good to see that all, you know, teams were able to participate. And, you know, we had a week one finally. So lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Uh, briefly, let's talk about Thursday because obviously at this point it's Tuesday. Um, and Thursday feels like so long ago. But we had the Chiefs and the Texans on Thursday night football. Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have pretty much picked up right where they left off. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to bring up is before the game, of course, was the moment of unity with both teams locking arms midfield and the Chiefs had 17,000 fans there and everybody's able to pump in crowd noise. But of those 17,000 fans, several booed the moment of unity. That confuses me. Um, I don't know how you could boo a moment of unity, but uh, so that was disappointing. So how about going forward, guys? Let's not boo moments of beauty. I'm just going to throw that out there because that was very disappointment, disappointing. It was a really nice moment um, among the two teams. So we saw that at the beginning. And then, of course, the game. And, I mean, the Chiefs look at the moment. They're the team to beat. Uh, they are so good, really. Like I said, picked up where they left off. They had tremendous continuity from last season. Um So that was big. And then, of course, on the other side, the Texans certainly missing DeAndre Hopkins. And we can talk more about him in a bit in one of our many overreactions uh, because he played the Niners. Uh, But they are are badly missing DeAndre Hopkins, the most head-scratching trade. I mean, it's a pretty – I was going to say ever. Maybe not ever, but it's a pretty head-scratching trade. Um, But two of my favorite quarterbacks. And, of course, Steph, I don't want to disappoint you and not bring up the little hug moment on the sideline. (laughs) <laughs> I knew you'd love it. I loved it. I'm like, <laughs> it was so cute for those of you that missed it. Deshaun Watson 
was running out of bounds and ended up on the Chiefs bench next to Patrick Mahomes, who kind of put his arm around him and they had a little moment and it was just really cute. Um, so I love that. And really all about hugs this week, because let's let's jump right to last night's game between um, the uh, the Monday Night Football game between the Titans and the Broncos, yeah, where Titans cool. kicker Steve Guskowski missed three field goals and an extra point. It was a very bad weekend for kickers, and we can yeah. talk more about that generally. But he missed four kicks, three field goals, an extra point. Um, and of course, as luck would have it, as the stars, the NFL stars would align, it came down to a field goal for the Titans to win it. And he was on the sidelines practicing into a net. And one of their linebackers came over to give him a hug. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> We're big into hugs this weekend. Yeah, I think it was it was just like. I mean, everybody feels that like when there's a day you're off or there's something that's happening and this guy, you know, by the fourth, you know, kick that he's missed, you know, is probably starting to think about his job. So, you know, it's just shows that, you know, hey, we win and lose as a team. And, you know, the hug was good. And it was just I I just appreciated that because it kind of I think it helps the players get into a good like mental state like my, you know, my, they're not mad at me. They're, you know, they're, they're supportive. So I loved it. <laughs> it was wonderful. And then in a true Hollywood ending fashion, really, right. he makes the kick and the Titans win the game, which is truly incredible stuff. You had a great tweet before that, that said, imagine being in the middle of a work day and knowing you're going to get fired at the end of the day, but still having to go through, but you know what? He saved his job. Yeah, I think he shaved his job. Like you, they're not going to, they're not going to fire him now. And I think kickers, a lot like baseball players, I mean, this is true of every of every athlete, but kickers, I think mentally, you just get can get off your game. And then once you're off, you're off. Um, but for him to be able to come back there at the end, and you could just see it setting up perfectly for it having to be a game-winning field goal. Right. Um, but uh, it, all, it all worked out for the best. And I'm happy because – I would not wanted to go wanted to have to go in that locker room with Mike Brayball if he missed another field goal. I mean, if I were him, I would have just left. I would have called an Uber. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll see you guys back in Tennessee. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> what What'd you say, Steph? Not even shower, just go in your uniform. Nope. Right, <laughs> right, uniform. I, my, if Mike Vrabel was my head coach and I missed that many kicks and then missed the game winner, no chance. I would have been like later calling an Uber in my uniform. I'll mail it back to you guys. And he's so, Please don't, I changed my number. Yeah. And he's such a good kicker. That's what was, um, it was just shocking. I mean, it was beyond like a bad night. I mean, maybe it was rust, maybe, you know, all the other, you know, the not enough practices, the short season, like you can, you know, think of all kinds of things, but it was just so unusual. And you don't even, you don't see that even, you know, you just don't see that in the NFL at this caliber, you know? So uh, yeah, but but uh, but all's well that ends well for the Tennessee Titans and for Kuskowski. Uh So he has the game-winning kick uh, earlier in the night. We had the Pittsburgh Steelers and New York Giants. The New York Giants seem to also have picked up right where they left off. Uh, though it was a pretty, you know, it was a close game there for a while. Uh, but the Steelers have their quarterback back in Ben Roethlisberger. Last year, of course, it, they had a plethora of quarterbacks taking turns uh, while Big Ben was out injured, but he was back. They won. So I think last night's games, you know, were pretty nothing, nothing to overreact for except for Guskowski, but he, he made up for it in the end. 
But on Sunday, we have a number of games that we can overreact to. Um, And so since it's us, why don't we start with the Cardinals versus the Niners? I'm going to go ahead and say right off the bat, I am not overreacting. I think it's game one, no preseason Garoppolo with his third string center, his top two wide receivers out. Granted, that's football and people get hurt. So everyone's going to have to adjust. (laughs) But I would say that is my feeling on that. I'm also just going to share with you guys because I was there. Being in a stadium with no fans is really weird. The crowd noise helps because you do kind of at a certain point forget. But it's definitely very weird. I, I think by... By the time where the game really got going, you know, football is football and you're focused on the game and and that and that is what I was focused on. But every so often, you know, you look up from the field and you're like, oh, right, there are no fans in the stadium. Uh, and it's definitely different, uh, definitely kind of a weird thing. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because um, I think most people will not be in a football stadium this year. So yeah. just wanted to, to share that with you guys because it was definitely a, a different, uh, interesting experience. But it is, you know, kind of is what it is. Um, but in terms of the actual game, you know, I think there are a number of things at play. And and maybe this is me reading too much into it stuff. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I also think I'm not going to use the term Super Bowl hangover because I, I don't necessarily think that's what it is. But I, I do think for Garoppolo, he had a bad seven minutes in the game he played before this one. He had an offseason filled with questions. He had the 49ers admitting that they looked at Tom Brady, even though I don't think that's bizarre. Of course they looked at Tom Brady. I mean, when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady available, you're going to look. Yeah. Um, and I think Garoppolo does a really good job of, of tuning out the noise. And, and I don't think, you know, I don't think he's like in his head, but um, you had that also such a strange off season, not the same amount of time with your team. No preseason is as unimportant as I think the preseason is, and I don't necessarily think there need to be four preseason games, there is a difference when you do get to play a quarter or two, um, especially if you're dealing with a third string center. You know, seeing how that how that works out. So I'm not overreacting. I think it's game one. I think more than anything, the 49ers beat themselves, then got beat. And to me, that's a little bit easier to fix up. I am no NFL head coach. I don't think Anybody is going to confuse me for one. But to me, that seems easier to clean up. But also, it's week one. But Steph, I'd like to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to overreact. You know, I am really big on the matchup thing. Like, I, it, to me, I don't even look at the weeks. Like, okay, you have to win. If you go 8-0, you know, I know that, like, statistically, it, like, increases your chance of winning. But I'm really about the matchups. And I do think that Arizona matches up really well with the 49ers and that's problem Mm -hmm. because they're in the same division. So that's, you know, uh, you know, I was, do I think the 49ers are a better team? Absolutely. But for whatever reason, they match up very well together and they have a tough time um, even on defense with, and Kyler's, you know, Murray's a, a mobile quarterback, but he's slippery. Like he, Mm -hmm. you can see how hard it was and they had to have a spy on him. And so if there's one mistake, he's, you know, that's got you for 60 yards or something. Yes. I mean, Kyler Murray on his own rushed for 91 yards. The entire 49ers team, I believe, rushed for 126. So that says something right there. And you're, and you're, you're talking about one of the best defenses, I think, in the league, if not the best. 
And, you know, it's it's just hard. And it's not the type. Uh, and it looked like to me the 49ers were adjusting their defense a little bit. So, yes, there's a learning curve with that because you know there's so it's week one. And I think normally you would have the preseason games and you would shake that rest off and you would kind of get in your groove. And I also think that Jimmy G is one of those needs to settle down quarterbacks. So he needs to get into his groove, but he doesn't always start off like super strong. So, you know, I, you know, it is what it is. It's a loss and sure they, it would have been nice if they won that game, but you know, you have to give credit, you know, where it's due, you know, the Arizona Cardinals showed out and, you know, they took that win. So all you can do at this point is just move on. I mean, just take that loss and learn from it. And I do think it's good for teams to take a loss because they know how to adjust things. So next time they play them, it's going to be a different story. I agree. And I think teams do take the loss and move on. I think it's harder for fans because it's harder for fans because we can't control it. So no, they can control it. They can look. So I think, you know, I think that's fine. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not worried about Jimmy G. I, I think we'll, you know, see well, how the season plays out. Storyline though, like for years now, it's almost been like the recurring. So I want to ask you because you cover the team, and I had my comments on it, but people were saying, you know, Kyle Shanahan does not trust Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's why he was keeping him in the shotgun, and. You know, and there were you know, everything was scripted out. Like he didn't let him roll out. He didn't, you know what I mean? Or that's what it appeared to. I don't know the playbook, but what do you think? Does Kyle Shanahan trust Jimmy Garoppolo? That's like my burning question to ask you. I th- I think he does. I can't. I'm not in Kyle Shanahan's head. I wish I was. He knows so much about football. I would learn so much. But I um I'm not in Kyle Shanahan's Shan- Kyle Shanahan's head. I do think Kyle Shanahan trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. I think if Kyle Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, there was no reason not to draft a quarterback. There was no reason not to sign a veteran backup who could potentially be the starter. I don't. I just. I don't think he doesn't trust him. I really don't. I think you also have to look at the personnel. You had Kittle, who certainly he, he currently has a knee sprain. And even though he played in the second half, he wasn't particularly, obviously, he wasn't really a factor. You have, as I said earlier, you have Ayuk and, and Debo out. I mean, I think you just, you also have to look at the personnel and what Jimmy Garoppolo has at his disposal. And that is also how a coach makes a decision on plays, but I don't think he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't. I just think that he does. And I think they have a season to see. I think that I do think this is a really important season for Garoppolo, but I don't think he doesn't trust him. That's just my, and that's just my, that's not inside information. That's just me observing, um, being, being in press conferences, throughout the week with Kyle Shanahan, listening to the way he talks about Jimmy Garoppolo, listening to the way his teammates talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think it's just, I think this is a narrative that is fun for fans to talk about and maybe fun for media to talk about. I don't think it's a narrative that's going on in the building. That's just from my own observations. So I think that's, I think also like this is week one. And I was saying to Steph before we started you guys remember a couple years ago, I want to say it was week two, the Jags beat the Patriots 
handily. I mean, it was like a disaster of a game and the whole narrative then, and we'll be talking more about this particular issue in a bit, but is Tom Brady done or the Patriots done? Is the dynasty over? And then the Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the 49ers are going to go on to win the Super Bowl. They're certainly not if they play like they did on Sunday, but I'm just saying like it's, it is early in a season, and I think you bring up a great point in matchups. The Cardinals match up really well, and even last season when the Niners were by far the best team in the NFC, and it was so obvious, they they did beat the Cardinals twice, but those were really tough wins. And I think you add in a DeAndre Hopkins, and certainly the 49ers offense was completely inefficient, so by the end of the game, the defense was totally gassed, but you bring up matchups and I think that's what we saw. And with that being said, they still, I mean, they played terribly and they only lost by four points. I think that's another thing to really kind of keep in mind. It was not a blowout by any means. So several chances to win the game. Yes. You know, I don't think it was on. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game at all, but I, um, but there were several chances for them to win it and they just didn't. And and that's football. I mean, that is like literally any given Sunday, you know? So yeah, you know, you can't put too much emphasis on one game. I know that that's fun to do as a fan, but it's just, you know, it doesn't make sense to do it that way. And right now we only have a one game sample size. So that's what I do. But I think, you know, Shanahan said on Sunday and he said yesterday, that they really had a chance to run away with it in the first half and they didn't. And he's right. And I think that's, that was the, and the, that blocked punt was certainly a big momentum changer and, you know, that changed thing. And then he made an interesting comment that I think um, I just found kind of interesting is he said on the, the pass to Bourne that was incomplete, that definitely would have been the game winning touchdown that mm-hmm. obviously it was not well thrown and he has to throw that pass better. But he said, if Bourne had jumped for it, it would have been um, DPI. And that's a learning thing for Bourne. And I was like, oh, that's a very interesting point. Whereas everybody says Jimmy, and I'm not blaming KB yeah. and I'm not blaming Jimmy, but you know, everyone says, oh, Jim, that was a bad pass and Jimmy has to complete the pass and he absolutely does. But receivers also have to be aware of everything around them. So it just kind of goes to show what we said earlier about, or what you said earlier about it is a team game. Um, and we'll see. The Niners' next two opponents are the Jets and the Giants. If they don't beat them, then I think everybody can worry. But I think um, they should come back to Santa Clara to play the Eagles 2-1, and one, um, and we'll go from there. So there's the Niners of reaction. Uh, since it was brought up, of course, by me, uh, let's talk a little Tom Brady and the Bucks Losing to the Saints, not really a big surprise there. I think the Saints are the superior team, even with everything that Tampa Bay has going on there. But, you know, I think we saw a very similar Tom Brady to the Tom Brady we saw last year. Will the rust come off now that, you know, Gronk has not played for a year? This was his first game back. But, um, you know, I don't know that the Bucks make the playoffs. I felt that way before Sunday. But um, it'll be interesting to see, is Tom Brady, is it really, is it done? Is this it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I Tom has an ability to just, like, shake it off and then throw some spectacular throws, you know? Well, he's still Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, he's still Tom Brady. So, like, I, you know, and I get it. And I think it's a different experience for him because I've never – it's weird because Arians was a little critical of – well, not just a little, but he was a lot critical of Tom Brady. And that's mm-hmm. a different type of coaching than what we've seen from Belichick, who says nothing. <laughs> nothing. Incredible. And, <laughs> you know, but, like – 
you know, it, you know, it's a learning experience and he is in the, you know, NFC now. And so, you know, it's a different world. I mean, it, there's tough teams and it's, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say the AFC is like anything to, you know, balk at, but at the same time, like, you know, I guess my jury's still out about how Tom Brady is. I think that he has a lot going for him and I, and that he has a great team to be on. So he definitely has a lot going for him. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. He definitely has a lot going generally, just yeah. generally in life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's fair. And it's, it is a one game sample size, but I, you know, I think the saints, you know, they are playing one of the best teams in the NFC as well. And I, this weekend, it's going to pain me to say what I'm about to say, but this weekend, I think it's the saints and the Seahawks after week one, they look like the NFC teams to beat. Again, we have a one-game sample size. Russell Wilson was like just on one on Sunday. Um, of course, he was playing the Atlanta Falcons, but he was on one. And listen, Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's possibly the best quarterback in the NFC at the moment. Um, I'm not saying institutionally because Tom Brady's now in the NFC. But, you know, Russell Wilson, it pains me to say it, but he's, he's incredible. And he showed just how incredible he was again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, they played good uh, at night or played well, and I wasn't surprised at all just to see them take over. I know that there was some question about their defense because they didn't sign um, Clowney, you know, they didn't mm-hmm. read him. And, but seeing Jamal Adams out there was, uh, you know, kind of exactly what you would expect. So, you know, I, I, I think that you have to have a healthy fear of those teams because they have that ability to put it together and just like Kansas city does. And you have to have, you know, respect that ability, Mm -hmm. even if they don't have every, they're not hitting on all cylinders in every position, they have that ability to change the game. So, and, and Arizona, you know, I think it would, it was remiss if fans were, you know, not taking them seriously because they absolutely are a serious team. So I, you know, I think that that's just how it is in the NFL and, you know, we'll see how it continues to go, but what surprised me most, and I think in the entire like NFL was the Jags taking over the Colts. I, I covered the Jags, you know, for a couple of years. So I was obviously, you know, I'm a big Minshew fan. Admit it. (laughs) (laughs) it's okay I mean how how could you not be I kind of I like them too (laughs) I blame it on you because I I was always like no I'm I'm a one team person (laughs) but I'm like Tracy can like one more than one team so uh, that baseball team of mine is going to break my heart I can tell but we'll talk more about that next week (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and Minshew Minshew balled out and he was just he looked really good and he he I mean, I, I just think he looked spectacular and he doesn't have all the pieces together, but he found a way to win. And I think that that just that what an upset. So I'm really looking forward to uh, them and seeing what they do in the future. I would actually like to bring something up also that we um, touched on. I think we touched on it last week. Um, we touched about on it on Twitter. It's all blending together now, but you know, Jamal Adams made a comment. Like, so I'm gonna go back. Leonard Fournette had made a comment, yeah. really kind of putting down the Jags, which I think isn't cool. Like, let your play do the talking. And of course, then the Jags won and, and Leonard Fournette's team did not. <laughs> uh, John, Jamal Adams made a comment after the game 
Um, I'm not used to my offense putting up 38 points. Like I don't, I just think like, okay, you're gone now. You're gone. You got your way. You got to go to another team. You're on a better team. Like leave it. I just don't, it's just petty to me. I don't like it. Yeah. I so I'm I'm, I'm that. definitely like, I agree with you there. Um, I didn't hear that comment, but you know, I, I, I agree. And just in general, you know, just like move on and, you know, it, and it does nobody any good, you know? So obviously it wasn't a fit and you know, move on. I don't know. Move on. Exactly. And you know, I just think, I just think move on. So there's, there's that. That was just my little aside on that. Um, other than that, do you have any other week one overreactions before we talk a little NBA? You know, the Raiders and Carolina surprised me. And Oh, yes. Oh, and the Patriots. We haven't talked about them either. The Patriots. Like Cam Newton to me was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. I just, my mind's going crazy, but like, Cam Newton, I, I'll i be honest with you. I thought he was done. I don't know if you did, but I just thought his injuries were just too much. And at his age, I, you know, I just wasn't sure. And the type of quarterback he is because he runs and he gets a lot of contact. So I just thought, eh, I don't know, you know, and, and I, and he wasn't mm-hmm. until way, way late. So he's obviously not, you know, up to speed as everyone else. So the fact that he just came in there and and just showed the Patriots and led and did his thing, I loved it. I was I'm I'm go Cam. <laughs> I loved it too. It made me so happy. I was really rooting for him. I, you know, I wasn't sure. I was kind of concerned he was done. The same reason for because of the injuries because he got signed late. But it was so great to see. It made me so happy. Um, so go Cam. I mean. It's it's Belichick, so just who knows? Um, I think you know who knows. It's going to also be fun to see Belichick. You know, of course, every week we'll be asked about Tom Brady, and I'm sure every week he'll be like, "I didn't even see what the Bucks did. Um, did they play this week?" Um, <laughs> not, not that he said that, but you can just like imagine it. Um, but it, it was great to see, and I hope you know. I don't want to week run overreact on the other side of it too, but I think it's very encouraging to see Cam play so well. Um, and I hope he does well there. And also his, um, his outfits continue not to disappoint. And I love that, that yellow suit. Way to go. Way to go. It's so funny too, because like Belichick, who's so like says nothing and, you know, wears sweatshirts and you've got Cam and these like A plus outfits. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so that was, that was great. And then yes, we had the Raiders and the Panthers and the Raiders are now in Las Vegas. And then, of course, the Rams and the Cowboys at that beautiful SoFi Stadium that not a single fan was in. That was another game. I mean, the NFC West is tough. Um, I thought the Cowboys would win that game. We're going to see if the Mike McCarthy era really does fix the Cowboys. I'm not going to overreact either. They played well. I don't, you know, I don't think it was a bad game by any means, but um, not going to overreact to that one either. But we had these two beautiful new stadiums open and no one's in them. It's hard. It's sad. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it was good. I thought the Cowboys were the heavy freight favorites. I mean, they have so much talent on that team. It's incredible. Um, Aaron Rodgers looked good. You know, he had a lot of like, Oh yes, of course it was a big weekend. Yeah. A lot of rivalries this weekend too. 
Um, of course, Ravens. I mean, I think that they're yeah. going to be one of the toughest teams in the league for sure. And they just, they just slaughtered it, you know, and Lamar Jackson's incredible and he's so fun to watch. So I don't know. There was a lot of things that, and their defense has been really short up. So it's almost scary how good the Ravens look, but, yeah. uh, but I was, I was, I was, you know, pleasantly surprised, you you know, because you have Bridgewater, you have all these new quarterbacks coming in and they're playing their game and you, you got to respect it. Even Tannehill last night and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so, so if it, if it, Fitzpatrick, you know, so it was, you know, I thought they played a lot better Miami than I was expecting. So, and, you know, it's just. Well, they, they have nowhere to go but up, really. Nowhere yeah. to go but up. <laughs> kind of just respect it and you know that you know they come in and they fight and I think that that's the thing with the NFL as much as you can say oh yeah they're a terrible team you know even with what happened to the Lions and the Bears you know things happen and that's why you always keep fighting and um it was just just fun to have the NFL back again and you know and, and see how these these kids play and speaking of the Bears, I feel I have to bring this up as I have been one of Mitchell Trubisky's biggest critics <laughs> oh, yeah. on this podcast. And there he went in that fourth quarter. And who knows? I'm not going to, uh, this is one I'm also not going to overreact to, but I will give credit where credit is due. Mitchell Trubisky showed up, led his team to victory, and I will give him that. I still need to see more before he's going to totally change my mind. But he, had some he really showed up. Yep, yep he yep, sure yep. did. And, and Mitchell Dimes. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchell Dimes. <laughs> but like I and it was just like, what is this? Like I, I I didn't know if he could make that kind of throw. And I think that that kind of makes you really think like there's a lot of moving parts in the NFL, you know. So um you can't just give up. And I can kind of see why no. he beat out holes there. I mean that's oh by the way. Incredible. Just quick, quick thing. The Raiders played in Carolina on Sunday, so they have not opened the stadium yet. I believe the stadium opens Monday night uh, football. It'll be. Yeah. But so, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. They played in Carolina, but so that it'll open on Monday night against the Saints, which the fans would be going wild for if there were going to be any. Um, but uh, so there, so I was wrong. Only one brand new, beautiful stadium opened this past, uh, this past week, but Next Monday night, we'll get to see the the gorgeous new Raiders stadium as well. Uh, well, it is great to have football back. We are week one in the books. It's so funny with the NFL, too, because there aren't that many games. So week one, it's like off and running. Um, meanwhile, over in the bubble, we're getting towards uh, the end of our NBA season. We have the conference finals on the way, except so we'll start with the East. Uh, which starts today, and so it'll be the Heat and the Celtics playing. By the time you're listening to this podcast, the game might be almost over, but uh, that's yeah. going to be exciting. Who who do you have in that one, Steph? I think Miami's going to win. I you know, but the Celtics have a lot of talent too, but they have not performed to what I thought they. I I just I I don't know. I I I'm feeling Miami. I think that they're hot. I think that they're working together well. I think they have a lot of tenacity and, you know, they're, they're pulling games out. Um, that being said, you know, the Celtics have a really good team and I love Jason Tatum. So, and of course, Jalen Brown, 
you know, go bears, but like, I, you know, I, I think that they have a lot of young talent, but I think the heat has some experience. And I think Jimmy Butler, you have to kind of be cheering for, he's just a, he's just a fun guy to watch, but I think Miami takes it, but I, but I think it's going to be a well-fought series. You know, I love the idea of a uh, Miami heat Lakers finals. You like into it. I really do. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so into it, but I'm, I am very into it. I mean, there's also something to be said for a Boston Lakers finals for old time's sake. Um, but I think it's because of LeBron, even though such a different era at this point and team and so much has happened since he was last there. But um, still, I kind of love the idea of it. Now, speaking of the Lakers, though, so they're in the Western Conference Finals for the first time since I believe 2010. So that is very exciting for the city of Los Angeles in which I reside, but also would be exciting for the city of Los Angeles if they play the Clippers who have a game seven tonight uh, against the Denver Nuggets who have really, I think, showed up and surprised everybody, including the Clippers. I don't, you know, I would have said for sure last week, the Clippers pulled this out one way or the other, but now I just don't know. This is like an any given Sunday. In game seven. But um, I don't know, Steph. I think there's probably you're going to know more about this than I do. But what do you think? I mean, I think the Clippers take it ultimately. Um, But I love the fight that Denver has had. And I would love for Denver to win. But I also want the Lakers to be beaten. (laughs) So this is my pettiness here, but like, I'm just not no, a fan okay. of uh, the Lakers and it, it's because I respect them. I want them to be good again, you know, I, because I respect right. them, but um, I just think the Clippers and Lakers is a better, you know, matchup. I don't think that Lakers in Denver are even like, you know, worth discussing. So I, you know, (laughs) they're not even worth discussing is amazing. However, would you still feel that way? If Denver is able to pull out a game seven and beat Kawhi and the Clippers, you still don't think Denver Lakers is even worth discussing? We'll discuss it then. I just, I don't know. They're leaps and bounds better. Like I, you know, but you know, I I thought that Clippers would take this easily. So you know, maybe you're right. I did too. I thought maybe in five. I thought, and and I don't certainly don't know as much about the NBA as you do, and do not follow it as close to follow it, of course, but not like not to the extent you do. So I I always defer to your expertise. But I did think on this one, I thought Clippers in five, six at the most. Oh yeah. But I did not expect a game seven. So now I feel like we're at. Anything could happen. Now, I I do believe, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. The Clippers are so have so much depth yeah. um, that I think a game seven does favor them. But I don't know. I would have thought a game five and six would favor them too. So yeah, I, I just don't know. It'll be interesting. And be very I interesting to see game six um, because because the NFL was on, you know. So it's like you know, yes. I can really like do so much. You know? Yes. So as much as I tried to watch it all, but, um, but I was shocked that they, they pulled that off and I'm, but I was happy for him cause I'm a big underdog fan, but I, um, I just think that the Lakers are going to be very well rested, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. And I think they're the team to beat anyway. And I'm not, I, I feel like if the Lakers don't win the West, I, I, I just, 
think it's just so like a given they're going to win the West, and it's a and only the Heat or the Celtics can even make it like to me really you know matter. But I feel like for team like just just judging the teams themselves, Clippers are the better team, and I think they'd be would be a better series against the Lakers. All right. Well, we will discuss next. I mean, next week we'll be into the Western Conference Finals and into the Eastern Conference Finals. This the NBA is, you know, they're on every other day without a travel day. So it's it's moving quickly. So we'll obviously a week from now um, be talking about whether it is Denver or the Clippers. We'll definitely be talking about that. And I'm here for it. I'll laugh if Denver gets it. But and I'll be really sad for Clippers fans. Can you imagine? I would be. And I have. um four very close friends who are really big Clippers fans. And I don't, I think if the Clippers lose, I don't even think I'm going to be able to, I don't think I can like even talk to them for a few days because I need to give them time. Like it will be, they will be so upset. Like I can't, I I would just feel awful. That's going to change if the Clippers play the Lakers because as you know, I'm going to go the way of the purple and gold, but, um, or purple and yellow, but but I won't be like upset if the Clippers win, but we have to get there first. If the Clippers right. lose tonight, I feel like they're going to just need some time. And I I mean, I feel like I'm going to send all of them like flowers or donuts or something. Um, so we'll hope for the best on that. Um, so now we are going to switch gears and talk about Friday Night Lights. Uh, we are in episode 18 of season one, which means we are getting towards the end of the first season, which is exciting. Uh, this episode is called extended families and we see some extended family situations. Uh, when we last left the Taylors, uh, coach Taylor had gotten a call from TMU about potentially coming in as their quarterbacks coach. Um, and in this episode, he and Tammy have dinner with, I believe the coach and his wife at TMU, um, before that gets interrupted, but we'll get to that. But Big story in this one, of course. The other thing that happened, the big story at the end of the last episode was Tyra's mom oh, yeah. driving to church <laughs> and yelling at Buddy Garrity. And now everybody in Dylan knows that they had an affair. Uh, and we open, of course, with Buddy fighting with his wife uh, nonstop, of course. She's very angry, understandably so. She's humiliated. She's hurt. She's all the things that you would be if that happened. Um, and Buddy needs a place to stay, so he's going to stay with the Taylors for a couple days, which has some comic relief, but that ends up being, like, less comic relief as the show goes on. So we have that going on. Um, Julie to escape Buddy because her parents are at dinner with the TMU folks to speak like I'm in Friday Night Lights. I don't usually use the word folks, but I feel like they say that, that word a lot in the show, right? <laughs> Um, so she goes to a party at Tyra's where she lets it slip that her parents have forbid her from hanging out with Tyra, which obviously yeah. really hurts Tyra's feelings, understandably so. Um, sometimes, you know, they do a good job on the show, I think, of reminding us how young Julie is. Yeah. And the lack – she's not immature, but she's 15, and she's really 15. And I think with her parents, we see her try to act really like – old and mature, but in life we see her make a lot of decisions, understandably so, because again, she's 15, but they kind of bring it back. And that's something that is a good example of that, because maybe that's something you would make sure didn't slip. Right. It, I thought sweet. it was hurtful. I didn't, I, you know, but 
Yeah. It was really hurtful. And and Julie seemed to not quite grasp how hurtful that was once she said it. Right. I think she could tell it hurt Tyra, but she didn't seem to quite grasp the level of hurt. Um, but while at the party, Tyra's mom comes out. She's been sleeping, um, clearly drinking, maybe taking pills. I'm not really entirely sure. Uh, and she falls through a glass table and she has to go to the hospital. So then Julie has to call Tammy and tell her where she is and where she's been. Um, and of course, Tammy comes straight to the hospital. And, you know, again, it's the Taylors who really yeah. come to the rescue mm-hmm. of this town, of everybody. Um, so she comes to the hospital. She has uh, – we're jumping around a little, but I think this is a kind of an important storyline. And it's an important storyline for the future of the show, to be honest, because it it, ha- it becomes a big part of the show over the next few seasons. Um she goes back to the house with Tyra and Tyra confronts her and says, you know, tells her that she knows she said that and and it's really hurtful. And, you know, to Tammy's credit, she says, you know, Julie is my daughter and all of a sudden I see her behaving in ways that she hasn't behaved in the past. And I put that on you and I probably shouldn't have. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I thought – and she owned it. There wasn't like, I didn't say that or that's not what I meant. Julie misunderstood. She really owned it. And I think it makes for a good moment between them. It makes for a bonding moment between them. And Tammy says to her, come to my office on Monday. I want to talk about your academic future. And Tyra says, am I your next project? And Tammy says, maybe. And that is a storyline that we will see quite a bit over the next few years. Yeah, I loved it. I, I am always amazed that Tammy knows exactly what to say and as gently as possible, you know, because she's clearly, you know, was in the wrong on that one, you know, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, and, and it's tough when you're wrong. I mean, I, I don't like it very no. much, you know, when it happens, but like, but you know, you, you, you kind of see like, hey, look, even somebody like that who's great and has it all figured out and has a you know psychology degree or whatever makes mistakes, and mm-hmm. she she knows when to own up to it and how to like explain herself, and I think that that's a big thing as far as you know Tyra's you know forgiveness, but she's also there for Tyra, and Tyra was like the adult in that situation. Her sister was smashed you know you know what I mean Mm -hmm. her mom's doing whatever and and depressed and you know you know you know bonkers and so like and Tyra's the one like okay I I, she was the one taking control and she's the youngest so she really needs that role model and I I don't know you you kind of see them coming together like that you kind of see what what Tammy wants to give is what Tyra needs and I like yes and that Tyra seems to be open to receiving it. Right. Which is not the Tyra we saw in episodes one through, let's say, five, maybe beyond. Um, but now we really see that character change and see her evolve. And Tyra, I think, is looking around at her sister and her mother. And she loves them, but she doesn't want to be them. Right. So this is her. And she's kind of said as much, you know, to her mom. Uh, so this is – kind of her saying, like, I, I want something different for myself and for my life. Um, so there's that. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, the Panthers win and are going to the state semifinals, which um, makes the Riggins throw a really big party. I mean, the Riggins don't really need much excuse to throw a really big party, but this was a good excuse to throw a really big party, um, which 
is important because in the midst of this party, the Reagan's new next door neighbor comes over. Uh, she is a single mom and she comes over and says she needs to work the next day. And she talks to Tim and there clearly is kind of something there. And then the next day, the little boy who is her son comes over um, to see Tim who is working on his car and says he has a massive hangover to this little boy that's like seven um, or eight. And um, they spend the day together and Tim ends up going over there for dinner. So we can see what is going to transpire. But um, I don't want to give anything away and stuff. I don't know how far you are into the show, but this storyline ends up being really important for a while and will take us into next season. So – and that was something I always felt really cool about the show. They really knew what they were doing. They had a they had a plan. The beginning of the second season gets a little wonky because in in real time when the show was on, there were ratings issues, and they were it was one of these shows that the fans loved it and the critics loved it, but it wasn't getting the ratings they needed. So they kind of played around with some storylines, but they did know what they were doing, especially on this one. So this becomes a big storyline. Uh, Lila. Very upset about what's going on with her parents. Calls Jason, who clearly is preoccupied. He's in Austin uh, for quad rugby. And she ends up driving to Austin where she sees Jason and she sees that he has a new tattoo and he ends up meeting – she ends up meeting the tattoo artist. um, And she basically gets really drunk at this party because she can also see that this tattoo artist is really cute and that she she and Jason have some sort of connection on some level – um, and she's not happy about it. And I found Lila to be a little – what's the word I'm looking for, Steph? She was possessive. She was in bug. She was possessive. <laughs> I also found her a little annoying in this episode. Um, and then I also – and then this is probably unfair and this is me, but I'm thinking can she really get – does she really have a right to get upset and possessive? Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> You know, there's that too. Now, granted, I think we've talked about this in past episodes. Like, if he forgives her, if they, you know, if he forgives her and they move on, they move on. And he certainly doesn't have a right to do anything and he hasn't. But um, I don't know. I just found her to be, I, you know what? I think this was another situation where we remember how young these kids are. She's been through hell and back. She's young, she's drunk. And, you know, we see kind of that immaturity come out. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I don't know. I kind of felt for her in this. It's weird because um, at first, I, you know, I didn't, I disliked her so much, you know, but I felt for her in, the, you know, because it was, you know, this extended families. And here Jason's finding his extended family. You know, he's finding mm-hmm. his way without her. And mm-hmm. it's, I think that that's hard because she had everything on the line for him. And, it was, you know, to them and, and, you know, to the end of the world, you know, and she, you know, stuck up for, you know, everything that was going on. So I think that was hard for her. And then um, I think too, you know, it's, it's just this, wait, you know, she's getting the attention off of her for once. And I think right. that's hard for her to kind of cope with. Plus, you know, she's going on, what's going on with her parents can't be easy. I mean, I think no, it's not. Uh, you know, even as a young, you know, teenager. And 
Um, she's embarrassed. I mean, she's got that going on because now everybody knows, you know, about her dad and mom. And she just wants to talk to Jason and he's kind of ghosting her. And yeah, he's busy. And yeah, he's, but it's like, he's moving on with this new life and he's becoming different and independent. Right. And she's like, wait, what about me? You know? So right. Felt- no, you're right. You're definitely, you're right about that. I think that's a good, well, and it's like, we do, she's a kid. And it's, I think it, it's kind of like it, we forget she's a kid and what's going on with her parents is terrible. And she also, there's that moment with her younger brother and sister where they're watching her their parents fight and she pulls them into her room. So she kind of has to be the adult there. And then she just, and really she just wants to be a kid and she wants someone to comfort her. And you're right. The one person to comfort her is kind of moving in a drift, different direction and she's not the priority. Mm-hmm. And um, it's in, Jason is like an incredibly, is incredibly mature considering his age and what he's been through. I mean, it's it's really kind of amazing. Um, but you make a lot of good points and you've changed my mind and now <laughs> I feel for her too. <laughs> and I do feel for her. I mean, I always felt for her. I just – she was just very whiny. But if I look at it from that perspective, you know, I can understand why. And she is going through a lot. And I mean, I think in fairness, when he was going through a lot and continues to, he was the number one priority and no one else mattered. And now she needs to be that for him. And I don't know if he's able to give that to her. Right. It's, um, and that's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of get it, you know, and, you know, he kind of went real fast, real quick. He wanted to get married, you know, and she was like, wait, yeah. you know, I'm in high school and I, you know, I have to, and he went really fast, you know, full on. And then, you know, for him to then just kind of back off with this whole, you know, thing, you know, that he's doing which is understandable. And it's exciting that he has his own life and something to look forward to again. At the same time, she's like, hold on, you know, I'm your fiance. Like, you know, you can't can't go all in and then not be there for me. You know, just like, yeah, you can't get a tattoo, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, who are you? I thought, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And he's making decisions without her. And that's not how, you know, marriage typically is supposed to work. So I, I no. can really see the immaturity on both of them in that sense. Like he wants to move on, but she's just in a different place. Yes. She's in a different place and he's in, I think there's a lot of that in this episode. It's the reminder that they're kids. Mm-hmm. These are kids and they're an immaturity in this case is not, it's not a criticism. No. They're, just, they're kids. Um, they just haven't, you know, haven't gotten there yet. So there was that. And then at the end of the episode, um, Coach Taylor comes home from dinner. Tammy is, of course, the hospital, but Buddy is there. He knows that they had dinner because he used this – I don't even know how to describe it, but he essentially like <laughs> took the pad and like rubbed pencil over it so he could tell who he was having dinner with. Um, and he gets really upset and – you know, he's going to leave. And Coach Taylor says to him, like, maybe you care a little too much about Panther football. Like, you have something going on in your family now. I think for Buddy, it's easier to focus on Panther football than what's going on in his family. So he's taking all of his energy and putting it there. But he's very upset at the idea that Eric is going to take this job and leave. Um, and that's where we leave the episode. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's the, like the extended family. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, their head is one place, but there's something else going on, you know? So um, it's it's interesting. It's like, you know, I always think like how it all comes together, you know? But we forgot yeah. about Waverly too. 
Waverly. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot about Waverly, which is such a huge, huge part of this. So she, her behavior all of a sudden is very erratic. She's like showing up in Smash's room. Um, they're going like naked swimming. And it just, it's, which is all fine. It's just very different all of a sudden, like very different. And he comes to pick her up for a date and her dad says to him, hey, is have you noticed anything different? And Waverly says to him, I was taking this medication and now I'm not taking it and now I just feel so much better and so much free, so much freer. Right. And Smash tells Waverly's dad, I, I don't he, – he lies and says, I don't really see a difference. But um, we can see it obviously throughout the episode. And then by the end, she calls him and says, can you, you know, come over? And he says, give me two minutes. And he finds her, you know, in the corner of the kitchen like balled up and crying and we see, and he sees there's something really wrong. Yeah. It's a, the, the, you know, polar opposite of, you know, she's, you know, acting, reciting Robert Hayden poetry, and then she kisses Smash, and then she's on the floor crying. I mean, it's just these really huge leaps. And so I think that it's great because I, I love shows that address mental illness because it's so common. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, seeing those kinds of signs, you know, and just like labeling them crazy isn't fair. You know, there's actually some something going on there. And um, and it's and it's stressful. It's not something easy to deal with. So I, I just uh, it was it's just different, like you said, and, and you see that it's not even like really her. It's like this, you know, aggressive, unusual, you know, emotional, you know, all kind, just all over the place. And so even though she admits she has a, a mood disorder, she doesn't want to feel, you know, I don't know what, uh, tempered by it. You know, she doesn't want to be affected by it. So that's another issue with mental illness and medication. And it's complicated. It's very complicated. And, and people often do want to go off their medication. And, and then we see things like this happen. And, you know, if you remember several episodes ago when we first meet Waverly and she and her dad come over for dinner and they talk about the trip. They've been gone. Yeah. And they somewhat gloss over that. And I think now we see maybe they weren't gone. Like maybe they weren't – they were gone for a reason. Um, You know, it was – that's I think what you – you know, which you kind of start to deduce. And even then, and I remember watching, rewatching that episode and maybe it's because I knew what was happening, but I, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I think that this was about what Waverly's, yeah, her illness and what she was dealing with. Um, So, you know, these kids, these kids have to deal with a lot and it's hard. And it's, it's the Waverly thing is also really painful to watch because it's so hard to imagine being a 16 year old girl dealing with this illness and of course wanting to not be on medication and feeling like it's it's making you different and so taking yourself off it and and what that does and it's a lifelong struggle and it's you know it's difficult to watch but like you said it's really important to address it because it is a very serious issue and one that we all need to be more aware of and more educated about and more compassionate about because mental illness is just that it is an illness right and if someone said they had a physical illness there'd be no sort of um, stigma. stigma to that. Yeah. And there shouldn't be for mental illness. So this was an important – and again, as I say a lot when we do this podcast, this was in 2006. Right. And they were somewhat – I mean, 2006 was kind of a long time ago, but kind of not. But I don't think we were talking about mental illness with the same 
um, the same way that we are now right. in 2006. So I think they were very ahead of their time on this. Absolutely. I love this episode. I, I can see them intertwining and, you know, I just, I, I can see their perspective, you know, finally. And mm-hmm. Waverly was someone that I always felt like, she, I'm like, why is she so high strong? You know, why is she, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know when, how I viewed it. Like, I was like, why is she so like, you know, but now I get it. You know, she's, you know, I get it, you know, she, but at least she yeah. was stable, you know? So that's, uh, you know, something that now, you know, Smash has to deal with because, you know, she's part of his life now. So it's complicated and it's stressful and it's hard. Yes, it is. (laughs) And we will see how that plays out over the coming episodes. I believe we have four or five left in the season. Uh, So we are are moving right along on Friday Night Lights. And so next week, of course, we have uh, week two of the NFL to talk about. We will be deep into the conference finals, East and West, no matter who wins tonight between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And um, and we'll talk a little baseball and, of course, Friday Night Lights. So, Steph, I look forward to next week. It's so good to have football back. And you guys, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to you guys later. Bye, y'all.